0: This morning, we continue in our uh, series on authority, and um, originally, the the topic was supposed to be good authority in the church and in the home, and as I began to study and and process, I thought it was just too big and broad uh, a topic to cover in uh, our one time together, and so we've narrowed the fo- focus this morning to good authority, parents. And uh, I enter this subject and, this, uh, and the proclamation from God's word with much trepidation uh, in that personally, as a parent, um, you know, it's not a small task and uh, one in which uh, myself and my wife, I mean, I can't speak for my wife, but I know personally I've failed many times over. Okay, I can speak for my wife too. Yeah, she's, that she has failed many times over. Okay. And so it it is not a small and uh, trivial topic. It is one, I believe, that has repercussions not for just the family itself, but for the church And ultimately, our culture at large. And the things that we understand about the authority structure coming from the parent is essential for us to transition our understanding of authority in the church and the culture at large. And so it is no small task that we enter into this morning and as we begin our time, uh, let me pray and then want to begin our, our thoughts with a couple of warnings to the church and then get into our text. And so let's go to the Lord as we uh, spend time together in his word. Lord, we pray that you would open our minds to your truth, that we would Humble our hearts as we engage in this idea of the authority of the parents in the family structure. Lord, it is uh, not a small task that you've entrusted into the parents here, and so we come with humble hearts, seeking to learn and ultimately change and ultimately apply the things that we hear this morning. Give us grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin with two warnings to the church. The first is that, oh, okay, I'll give you both of them right there, okay? The first is that the larger culture diminishes even despises the significance of childbearing and rearing. And we see this most evident uh, in uh, some of our developed nations, uh, particularly Japan and South Korea, where there now is a negative birth rate, so much so that it's not enough to uphold the future generations that are getting increasingly older and living longer. There's a variety of factors that contribute to that, probably materialism. Often families, if they do have a child, it's just one, okay? And so even in America, that idea is creeping in, that when a, a, a woman says that she wants to get married and to have children and to raise these children is often looked as if like I mean don't you have anything better to do? And women today scoff at other women that desire that very good and righteous thing. That aren't you gonna have a career first? And then maybe if there's time and maybe if you're still young enough that You can have a child. And that mentality, that perspective, is slowly creeping in through the church as well. That the bearing and the raising of children is not of paramount importance to our Lord. It is that kind of attitude that is creeping in to our churches, so much so that children do not understand, and this is the second point, parents don't know how to exercise authority in the children's lives. To the degree that we are experiencing a rapid amount of disobedient children, not only in our greater society, but even in our churches as well. And brothers and sisters, we can't make light of that dynamic that is happening in our churches today. Romans 1.28 says this, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to, those, to do those things that are not proper. And here's a list. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. And as we step back and look at that list, we're amazed because when we see that, we're thinking disobedient children, disobedient to parents, wait, is that such a big deal? I mean, I see that every day. You know, they're just going to their puberty. Oh, Johnny just just has a lot of energy. And we see here in scripture the seriousness of what leads to when there is an effective authority in the family structure. When the parents abdicate their authority in regards to their children. We are seeing more and more, again, not just in the greater culture, but in the church as well. When did it become okay for a five-year-old to determine their gender? That their self-will is dominant over the parents. We see it growing and growing each and every day in our greater society. That as the parents have given up or don't know how to properly exercise their authority in the family over their children's lives, there is a degradation of the general culture as well as in the church. And so it is with these two warnings that we try to understand the parents' authority in the family structure. And just want to kind of reset for us uh, what Pastor Nam had gone over that it is God that grants authority, first of all. That authority is a delegated responsibility. And particularly, God has created his creation order with certain offices and grants authority to these offices. We see that God has granted authority in government. He has granted authority to the elders of the church. And he has granted authority to the parents in the family unit. It is a delegated responsibility that those of us who have children need to understand and undertake The one thing unique about the parents' uh, authority uh, as we start off on this topic is that many of us, actually all of us, our first exposure to authority, to the authority delegation, is parenting. And our thoughts, our reaction to that concept is by and large shaped and formed by how well or how not well the parents have structured that authority if you're sitting here this morning and you are suspicious of authority you go you know again our greater culture kind of encourages that this independence of thought being not under any kind of authority but it's also shaped by the way that we are introduced to this idea this dynamic in our lives by our very own parents and again just want to encourage us this morning as we look to this topic that it is something that we take to heart that it is not a small thing that this type of authority, that the authority that we model, that we exemplify in our homes will by and large determine how our children relate to authority for the rest of their lives. So it is not a small undertaking that we go under this morning. And so just have a humble heart. So open your hearts and minds to the passages that we'll be going over today. Well, we have but simply two points. And our our main text this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6. And if you haven't already turned there, you can turn there. And here, I'm going to steal Pastor Nam's thunder a little bit because This is the very next passage that he's, well, uh, next two passages that he will be undertaking. And so we can always hear the word of God over and over again. So. Uh. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that, you may be, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I've actually preached this uh, passage uh, many years ago, and... Uh, I commend that to you if you want to go through the the full section here. But I will be primarily looking at the very last verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, where it transitions to the father's slash parent's responsibility in regards to the the bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we have two points this morning. It's the parents' authority in Ephesians 6.4, right? And the the two points are that authority is not limitless and has an objective. And then secondly, that authority aims toward nourishing discipline and instruction, okay? It's two simple points, but again, one that is very difficult to exercise and implement in a God-fearing, God-centered way. And uh, as Pastor Gary will transition into bad authority and the ways in which uh, bad authority is manifested, he'll be going over many of those principles. But for today, we'll be going over just these two. Firstly, as we see here in uh, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And we see right off the bat that the primary responsibility is related back to the father. Now, look at the context, okay? We see here that it's to obey your parents, right? Honor your father and your mother. And so, please keep in mind that though the father is the primary, still we see that mother is intricately involved in this process as well, okay? As... The husband is the head of the wife. We still uh, are, I, th- I think my main point here is that uh, mothers, this is your responsibility as well, okay? As, as it is directed here uh, primarily in verse 4 toward the fathers, there's an implication here that it's also in regards to the mothers that, be, that ought to be undertaking this process as well. But the first thing that we see here is the responsibility of the fathers, mothers, parents, is not to provoke our children to anger. Okay, and this is what we mean by the first point here: that authority is not limitless and has an objective. That is that our authority that is delegated us, de- delegated to us by the Lord, is not. Free-for-all. It's not just based on just all our whims. That as a parent that we think we have the prerogative, hey, Johnny, go get me a drink. Hey, Johnny, go clean up the trash. Hey, go, cl- Johnny, <laughs> go wash the car. Now, under our purview, those could be, the, could be those prerogatives okay but to the degree that we are not provoking them okay you understand here that there is an element that we are modeling this authority in a way in which it's not causing anger and particularly resentment this idea of anger here okay it's Or gizzo, and this uh, preposition intensifies this idea of anger. And this anger is held on to, is dwelt on. It is something that is rooted in bitterness. And as we process this idea of using our authority not to have our children move down that road. It is a provocation to anger that limits our authority. We should watch our authority, especially as our children are becoming more and more resentful and angry toward us. There's a lot to talk about here and a lot to unpack, but here... Authority should not be used on the whim of the parent, but towards God's desires for the child. Namely, as we push back to verse 4, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. As we see the instructions for the children to obey and to honor their parents, one of the manifestations of that is that they will do well and that they would live long in the land. And so if that is an implication, if that is an outworking of the child's obedience to the parents, we need to understand that that is one of the objectives that the parents have to move our children toward, especially in our use of authority if we are finding that our authority is moving our children away from that, that is a red flag. It is something that we need to consciously and intentionally ponder over because all of our children are very different. There is no one size fits all. And because of that, this is the daunting aspect of the application of authority for the parent. If we raise all of our children in the same manner, we're going to lose. We're going to lose this battle of provocation to anger. Our firstborn is a rule follower. And many firstborns are tend to be rule followers. And so in the way that we craft our authority and the way the, uh, that we have interacted with our firstborn has been vastly different, especially in contradistinction to our secondborn. Ha <laughs> ha my children don't appreciate being used, but you know, that's all I have. <laughs> Our second born tends to not be a rule follower. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he knows. It's no secret. I'm not outing him. And as such, the provocations to anger is vastly different in our interactions as we um, instill or um, apply authority in their lives. For the firstborn, it is merely just to give him an outline of what is expected. And usually, for the most part, he complies. But for the second, it is to outline it and to enforce it. And when they were younger, it was with a rod. We'll talk a a bit more about that when we talk about the discipline and instruction part of it, okay? But all to say that um, the the provocations to anger for each child will be different. And so as a parent, one of our responsibilities is to study our children and to understand them. Much like Peter uh, encourages and admonishes us to live with our wives in an understanding way, that as the head of the house we are not just to um, uh, have authority over them, though that is true. But another element of that is to understand them in that process. As we exercise authority over our wives, there's an element of trying to understand who they are and how they will respond to proper authority. And it is no different with our children. So as we engage with them as we understand them as we try to see how the application of authority in their lives will best manifest itself that is part of the process now there are different things that can uh provoke our children i've listed a few here this is authority run run amok okay and, and these are some of the things, some of the ways that I myself have found myself provoking uh, our children to anger. Or just generally, I think, that parents make the mistake of in their use uh, or of authority and their parenting. Number one is favoritism. Okay, number one is favoritism. Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. And we saw how that ended up, okay? But as you think about how you interact with your children, one of the things that can discourage, that can hurt, that can anger your children is to play favorites. Now, if you're an only child, you know, maybe your parents or your father plays favorites with his things. He values his car over you, okay? Or his job over you. But the dynamic of showing favor, excuse me, over over, over, one children over another, okay, can be a very dangerous dynamic. And one that can provoke our children to anger. Secondly, hypocrisy. And I'll just share with you right now. My, my children have called me out on this, okay? Um, that, Dad, it seems like you're one way at church and you're another way at home. Oh! <laughs> oh! Let's, let's let out our dirty laundry right here, right now, okay? He said that to me, to my face, And that is a shortcut to angering our children. When we are not consistent in our behavior before the Lord, and we are merely putting on a mask, okay? And we put on a show in one arena, and yet we don't show the true self in our very homes, okay? That is a surefire way to provoke Our children to anger. Neglect. One of the things that we say in our home is that the quality of time is the quantity of time, okay? That there is no such thing as quality time. That in our use of authority, it can't be just a one-off. It can't be in the context of just back-to-back commands that are being barked at our children. And that is our only interaction with them. And this is what I mean by neglect, is that as, as our children see the application of authority before them, and it is but a series of barking commands and we neglect them the rest of the time, again, it is a potential recipe for the provocation of anger in our children. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And that is all they see and understand of authority and your parenting in the home. A lack of love. This is one of, as, as a child of God, one of our main responsibilities and callings before Him, not just as a parent, but as His children, is to love Him and each other. And it is a shame to the church. That many parents, again, don't understand this dynamic. One of the key things that you are to model and exemplify in the home is Jesus' love. A sacrificial love. An intentional love. A nourishing love. An engaging, there, giving time kind of love, And again, when the context is but to bark orders at your children, but there isn't any affection, any care, any desire for them to really understand who God is, to understand his character, and that he is worthy to be worshiped. when we show our love only when there is a performance, when they perform by their grades or by their excelling in certain things, that affection and care is only given in that type of environment, again, it colors the way that you're gonna view authority. Our children need to understand that we will never <sighs> stop loving them. That your love for them is not dependent upon their performance in school or in athletics or in anything else, even their profession of God, even their profession that the Lord Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, that the parent in that privileged position will show them that they love them and that they will always have their best interest In mind. And lastly, is hurtful words, okay? Again, it is your authority does not allow you to say whatever you want. The parent needs to be careful just in the way that he crafts his words with his wife and his interaction with his wife. He needs to do the same with his children. Okay. And as I reflect on this, especially in our church, again, I don't know that we have an issue in terms of uh, physically hurting our, our children, okay but i think the more nuanced and more sensitive thing can be the way in which we use our words with them that we can often be careless with the way in which we use words of encouragement or discouragement okay especially in comparing and contrasting our other children why can't you be this way or why can't you be like johnny or sally so that is another area for all of us to consider and make sure that we are not provoking our children to anger all right well we need to move on so as we consider the, that there are limits to our authority that we shouldn't be you know running amok based on our own Uh, whims, our own experiences, the ways in which we were raised, but that it is toward their well-being, that it will be well with them, that they will live a long life. And here we transition to the authority that aims toward nourishing discipline and instruction. Okay, look at the second part there. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents' authority should be centered on wisdom, both in the exercising and teaching of it. John Piper points this out. Laws of fair parenting does not produce gracious, humble children. It produces brats. They are neither fun to be around nor happy themselves. They are demanding and insolent. Their freedom is not a blessing to them or others. They are free the way a boat without a rudder is free. They are the victims of their whims. Sooner or later, these whims will be crossed. That spells misery. One of the privileges of being a premier is to exercise proper authority that they understand and, and what good instruction and authority ought to be. And as we enter into this section and this idea of bringing them up, okay, it is to nourish them. Okay? It's, it's the same idea found in Ephesians 5.29 where it talks about Uh, No one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes, it's that same word, just as Christ also does the church. And so we are to continually, actively nourish our children and and discipline and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Now, we've gone through this before, but one of the things I want to center our thoughts around is this sliding scale of that process and how that it works out and how that manifests itself in the different ways in which we interact with children as they are from younger to older and that they ultimately live. Okay, But I want to set the groundwork first. And first is that we need to orientate them as we nourish them, we need to orientate them toward a proper view of God. And that mainly that He is the center of the universe. That the fear of the Lord is the way in which they operate. That they are not the center, but God is. And the fear of Him is at the center and the core of how they orientate their thinking. And their lives. True wisdom is given to those that fear the Lord and understand that God is at the center of the universe. And we need to orientate our thinking, our lives, our very behavior based on that thought. And it is then and there in which we will be able to properly live a life of discipline and instruction in the Lord. I don't know if you were here at at, uh, this past members' meeting, but one of the things that I'm trying to instill, especially in my daughter as she gets a little bit older, is that she is not special. to the consternation of this greater culture, that every child is special. You are not special. God is special. And we orientate and live our lives around him, not you. We see the effects of this specialness Right, and I, and I shared with you what what that was about. Right, I mean, it's just even the smallest thing. People taking two parking spots when they only need to take one. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> People cutting in line. Right. Again, it is an orientation of life that says that I can determine and be the arbiter of right, what is right and wrong. But if we train and, and teach our children that God is, is the one that we need to be aware of in terms of how we think and how we live, then we have the building blocks of helping them understand authority can be good. That when God tells us we should not do this and rather do that, it comes in a framework where they understand authority is good. And it can be a game changer in terms of our parenting. When we now as those that have been delegated that very authority are in a position to show that authority can be good. And one of the things that I think that I want to kind of flesh out here is that as our children, from young to middle to old, okay, there is a way in which we can model Proper authority. And one of the key things I think. That is shared in Jonathan Lehman's book. Is this idea of the hands. That here is a child. And here is us in terms of our authority. That when they are first born. And we are raising them. In the fear and admission of the Lord. We are in front of them. Meaning Johnny. Don't do this. Don't touch the fire. Don't pick your boogers and eat it. Don't grab into your diaper and pull it out, whatever's in your rear area. So there's a lot of instruction. There's a lot of warning. There's a lot of commands. There's a lot of do not do this. And in fact, there's an element of making them do it through the rod, okay? So, again, we're in front of them, making sure that, again, under the parameters of that, they do well and live long. Hey, don't touch that fire. Don't put your hand in in the electric socket. Okay, there's a lot of that in the early phases. And then... We come alongside, okay, and this is the process by which we're making, helping them to think about, hey, why shouldn't I put my finger in the socket, okay, that now they're thinking and making decisions on their own because there are repercussions to that, that you will be electrocuted. Well, you know, why should I not fight with my brother and sister, because in the in the in the beginning hey stop fighting but now we come to a position of that doesn't honor the lord when you fight with your brother and sister you need to show them love and grace etc why should i not cheat at school okay first don't cheat at school god is watching it doesn't honor you why should i not cheat At school, you're helping them understand the process and taking their own self-agency in following the Lord, okay? And then lastly, what Jonathan Lehman shares is that we are behind them. Once we've trained them, once we've disciplined them, that they understand the fundamentals of how to orientate their lives toward a Godward life, we are now behind them. And to impel them, of course, maybe, you know, there's still an element of that, always kind of interacting with Scripture and helping them think. But as as they leave the household, it is to encourage them. It's to admonish them. It's to uh, have them continue in their following of the Lord. Okay, well, I kind of skipped over here, okay? Proverbs 29, uh, 15. And, and this is what we mean. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself brings shame to his mother. In the early years, there is an element where you enforce that uh, authority with discipline. Okay? And the child knows that there will be re- repercussions for violating that authority. And we see, especially in the parents' life, the spectrum of early on enforcing in a unilateral manner the authority that you're trying for them to understand, and then for them to follow through on. And you enforce it with the rod and reproof. Okay. My parents, you know, it's a new new era, and. Uh, A few generations ago now, uh, when we were in the early stages of our parenting, for the most part, uh, many of the parents here, it was a given that there wasn't a sparing of the rod. It was understood that that is good and well for your children. And again, I don't know if that's the case now, but I would encourage you to consider these scriptures And I'm not saying you have to do it, but that it is a tool to use for the good of the child in their instruction and fear of the Lord. Now, that's the early years. Now, it transitions here to Proverbs 26, 4, 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And the point of of these two verses is to show there's a thinking process here, even for yourself as the one in the position of authority and exercising wisdom with your children. There are times that we will engage with our son, and there are times that we won't. And it is really at as you try to read the moment and the circumstance in which you're trying to respond to that child. Do you let him continue in his folly or do you not? Okay. Sometimes it's good for them to continue in their way. Sometimes it's not. And I'll just say that there's a more of a critical thinking element to our parenting when, as they get older as we're processing how to continue to help them orientate themselves in the fear and admonition of the God. Okay, and then this verse here, six uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk... She'll talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by their way, when you lie down and you rise. Wanted to draw out this idea of, uh, of discipline and teaching. Is that one of the things that we have to understand as parents in the modeling and, and uh, uh, exemplifying of authority <clears throat> is that it's not just teaching propositional truth. As important as that is, that the, the, the substance of what we are instructing them in is God's truth. We see that right here, okay? That it is instruction that is discipline and instruction in the Lord, okay? But, okay, it is not just that, okay? It is not just the teaching of God's truth, but it is the modeling of it. It is what Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 is uh, showing us here. That in the everyday course of living, in the here, hitherto and hither now, am I saying that correctly? Okay. From here to there, that there is... Uh, an intent upon the parent to show them how to love their God with all of their heart, mind, and strength. That it is the everyday activities that we take uh, advantage of in the discipline and instruction of our children. That it is not merely a classroom setting that we are to be involved in, But with our very lives, with our very examples, as we go through life, that we are to teach them the ways of the Lord. Psalm 78 is very similar. He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know him. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It is not just within the classroom setting, important as that may be. And again, I'm not uh, dis- diminishing the, the, the priority and the importance of teaching our children scripture, okay? And parents, if you are not doing that, that's not good, Okay? That is uh, our responsibility uh, and our privilege as we uh, mete out our authority. Okay, but that one of the things that we need to model is that it is in the everyday living that we can show how God's uh, plans for us, the way in which we orientate our lives, can be a blessing to them and to others. Okay, you see that there? As we orientate our children and help them understand proper authority, that they can be a blessing to themselves because it will be well with them, and they will live long. But they can also be a blessing to those that are around them. Okay, And I think one of the key things that we have to understand about how we model and use our authority is that they understand that greater perspective, that it is beyond just our family setting, but it transitions into our church. 1 Timothy five one two, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Why am I talking about that? A person that understands proper authority, a a child that understands proper authority, he's going to understand how he fits in in the dynamic of the church and acts accordingly. When he sees the commands and the authority of God before him and instructs him how he ought to interact in the family of God, he understands it. And he takes on that calling and reciprocates and does it in a manner that honors the Lord. Okay, are you seeing that connection there, right? As, as we exercise proper authority in the early years and as our children transition to more of self-agency, trying to determine their own ways before the Lord, they understand When they are told something from the Lord and how we ought to treat the brothers and sisters of Christ, they fall in line and they know how to respond. That, oh, you know what? He's just a stupid old man. Okay? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, you know, that woman, man, she just talks a lot. Okay? But when your children, when our children understand that there's a proper orientation to have in terms of those that are in the family of God, they will respond in kind. And so all to say that the authority is now transitioning from making all of their decisions, they're making their own decisions, and as they transition into the family of God, they know how to respond to proper authority. And then even beyond, beyond this congregation, beyond the family of God, they know how to understand authority as well. That when they are under their boss, when they are, un, when they are told to pay taxes, there is a proper orientation for them to receive that kind of authority from these different offices. Whew, okay. As I said out at the beginning, it was a, a daunting task here. In that first, you know, personally, it's one that is very convicting and one that is, you know, daunting to do it right in the in in the way uh, that God has called us to to meet out authority in our homes. But secondly, that there's a bigger picture, right? There's more at stake. It is that we are not just, we are creating the seedbed of our children in terms of how they will receive good authority as well as bad authority. And much of that is determined by parents, okay? And so, This morning, I hope that we take to heart God's word in regards to this idea. I want to leave us with these final thoughts from Jonathan Lehman. Okay, Hopefully, these principles will help us further kind of apply the the truths that we learned this morning. We act with a much lighter hand, operates through trust and relationship, is patient and plays long game, respects those that lead as their equal and quick to forgo their rights. And it's on the website. But these are all uh, dynamics to uh, keep in mind as we apply authority in the life of our children and with others. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your truth, how daunting it is. What a great responsibility that you've given to us that our parents or that even are thinking of becoming parents. Lord, we pray that we would really uh, take to heart that we have such a big impact to those that we are raising. And we pray that we would do your desire before our lives, before, before you in our lives, and that you would be honored in the way that we use authority for your good, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.